0: Welcome to Talking History, a series of talks from Farnham U3A History Group. In this talk, Nigel Barriott gives us an insight into the life of Victoria and Albert. Part 4.
1: Prince Albert had died suddenly. Queen Victoria was devastated. Before he died, I, I suppose you have to, have to say he was depressed now, we, we, we would call it. And, and there must have been the, the two of them. They were a, a high-performance couple. But there must have been an element of bipolar, we would call it now, up and down. And Victoria went into a very steep decline. She wore black for the rest of her reign. And for three years after Albert's death, the Queen, who was only 42, refused to appear in public, becoming known as the Widow Windsor. And then as a usual Republican muttering get rid of the Queen but when Victoria died in January 1901 at the age of 81 one of Albert's dressing gowns was placed by her side in a coffin along with a plaster cast of his hand she was buried in 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 her wedding veil now there's a very interesting museum in Chilworth it's got a lot of plaster hands it was fashionable in Victorian times you take a plaster cast of your husband or your wife She also demanded that none of the rooms at Windsor Castle, Balmoral or Osborne House on the Isle of Wight should ever be changed. And and there was a certain, um, the Victorians in a way were in love with death, a rather macabre attitude. They didn't sort of have this attitude of of letting somebody go on in their spiritual journey or, or lights out if you don't believe in that they used to sort of hang on to them if you wanted to make a a lot of money in victorian times the best thing to do was to be a funeral arranger make an absolute fortune and of course if you had absolutely awful character a nasty woman or a nasty man you could hire some mourners and and they would come along and say oh he's a wonderful man then you, then you pay them um, a few guineas at the end. The Victorians sort of loved death, and Victoria never changed. Basically, the public didn't like it. For three years, That they were initially very sympathetic, but we all know what human nature's like. Yeah, yes, we're very sympathetic, and then after a pause, you know, get on with it. And so her later life, rather sad, melancholy figure, she she was only five foot tall and yet she managed to project in the public eye an aura of majesty. She was the grandmother of Europe, a matriarch. And towards the end of her life, the, the people loved her. She was the Empress of India, Okay, I'll just say a a few words about politicians. Lord M, we've already looked at. And then there was Sir Robert Peel, who initially they didn't like. And Melbourne said, um, oh, he's an ill-bred fellow and got the first idea how to talk to princes and queens. But but anyway, he's a very able man, Sir Robert Peel. And he got on well with Prince Albert. And they had lots of projects together. And he, he... it was Sir Robert Peel who reinstituted his 55000 a year, which had been, it's hard to imagine now, but it was quite a sort of insult, you know, only giving him 30. Grand. And in the end, the, the Queen came to, to love him. She found him difficult to deal with Yorkshiremen. And then there was, of course, Disraeli. She absolutely loved Disraeli. Disraeli was a very clever man. If you want to read an amusing book, read coningsby and he had to overcome a, a lot of racial prejudice you know he was always known as the jew throughout his life but he, he had had immense charm and charisma we probably call it now and he, he knew that everybody enjoys flattery and when it comes to royalty you lay it on with a trowel that's exactly what he did there. victoria loved being empress of india she never went there Brown. You've, all, you've probably all heard of Brown. He was Queen Victoria's gilly, basically, catching fish and gamekeeper type of person. She, she was immensely lonely. She was to live another 40 years after Albert died, and I don't know what you think, but she didn't really move on. She was sort of stuck in a time warp, and she liked male company, and John Brown was, was sort of said. Sort of called a woman and get on with a girl and, and uh, all this kind of thing, which she loved because she was so lonely. He, he got rather too much power in the palaces. prime minister would come in and John Brown was giving a slap on the back and that kind of thing. And he looked round and said, who the hell's this? Some servant being a bit too familiar with me. And he, he went to, he was up in Balmoral and he also went down to the Isle of Wight now the queen's character, as far as we can gather from contemporaries, she was emotional, obstinate, and honest. She was certainly jealous, as, as I said earlier. If <laughs> anyone spoke to the prince uh, more than twice, they so were out of court. Well, not maybe not quite that, but she, she didn't like anyone being too friendly with him. She wrote about 2,000 words a day in her journal for most of her 63-year reign volumes and volumes and volumes of it. Beatrice, who was her last child, burnt a lot of it, but there's still a hell of a lot of it left. She uh, didn't give a damn what people thought of Victoria. And in, in many ways, she, she was quite an enlightened person. I mean, Prince Albert was an, an enlightened, was moderate and, and liberal, and had a great social conscience as well as a high moral standard. And and Victoria was very modern in a way. She didn't have any sort of racial bigotry. She liked Israeli. She accepted people, and she had a servant, Abdul, at the end. John Brown was uh, widely hated by the rest of the family. Bertie couldn't stand him, and they didn't like Abdul either. But she just said they were racially prejudiced or something like that. probably quite right. Visitors and servants said she, she laughed out loud and took childish delight in eating too many cakes. Have I mentioned that before? She had a, a, a childlike way of behaviour and those sort of e- eating cakes behind the door and that kind of thing. Now this is very strange. She opposed female suffrage and she thought women were too emotional for politics. You know, we can't have, have, have women, you know, and too up and down. And she had very strong views about it. And it's quite extraordinary because she interfered in politics all the time. You know, I I mentioned Disraeli. Their prime minister, who she didn't like, was Palmerston. Arrogant, imperialist bastard, basically. And he was hugely popular with the public. He was foreign secretary for quite a long time. I understand that the British ambassador has been kept waiting... six hours in Peking. We shall now dispatch a gunboat in order to teach them manners. And he really sent off a a, a gunboat to Peking, probably to shell a few places out there. There was a Chinese war about 1860, and a small British army landed with, with a whole load of Sikhs with advanced guns. And the Chinese would come out, you know, with all these wonderful banners and that kind of thing, and about a million and a half troops. And they'd just be decimated by, um, I'm not an expert on the the right guns, Gatling guns, but You know, the Diamond Jubilee, towards the end of her reign, she was immensely popular, Victoria. Everybody loved her. There were lots of Christmas cards, especially at Christmas, they loved it. You know, Prince Albert had invented the christmas tree well that's not proven but a lot of people thought that and people sent christmas cards around they had a service on the steps of st paul's cathedral because the queen couldn't get up step i i, I can't understand this because why couldn't they carry her up you get a chair and take her in if she couldn't walk up there but she was fairly strong on what she wanted to do and she probably said i'm not doing that and that was the end of it but Now i got some very interesting footage, very rare footage. There's actually a video of Queen Victoria at her Diamond Jubilee.
0: We leave the fourth part of the talk at the point where Nigel showed film footage from the Diamond Jubilee of 1897. The views expressed by the speaker are not necessarily the same as those held by the team at the Mr T Podcast Studio. This podcast is produced by the Mr T Podcast Studio in association with the Farnham U3A Group.